Hello, everybody. Back again with Tom Harrison and Ken Krogh, Eternal Core. We've got Alema Harrington. We talked to him into coming back, and we appreciate you spending time. We're going to get into the, the, the nuts and bolts now of, yeah. of, of, of the current. I mean, you're, you're doing a lot of good now as, as a substance abuse counselor at Renaissance Ranch. Yeah. And you've also been a little bit tied with this. You're seeing this billboard up and down the I-15 corridor yeah. and magazines. Tell us what about it, it's a big deal. No, I, I think the state health department has done a fantastic job, and and opidemic.org, you can get you know all these statistics. And here's a you know an interesting part of it is you know we talk about the opiate epidemic or opioids, you know, and and really they're one and the same. But so many people that are you know might be viewing right now, they're they're like I don't even know yeah, what that walk is. Walk us through that, right? It's like. So part of it is you can go on you know, the, their website, and you can research this anywhere now at this point, right, with the internet, and find out what opiates are. It's like that's a lore tab, um, Vicodin, cough syrups that have hydrocodone in them, right, and these different medications that are out there, including the oxycodones that are out there, which, which would include the, you know, Oxycontin or Percocet. You know, there's a lot of people that aren't, that they're like, when they see this, they're like, I'm not sure what they're talking about. But one of the illustrations that I think that you get from this particular um, ad here or, or campaign is that heroin, heroin and pain pills are basically the same thing, right? They're derived from the same chemical, right? The opiate, you know, heroin coming from the opio or from the the poppy plant right and then the, the opiates it being or opioids that that come from that are created that are are uh, you know produced as a chemical um, but the the effect is the same wow right and now we're dealing with an even stronger uh, opiate out there or op opioid out there which is fentanyl which is killing you know it's so powerful that that and it's mixed with heroin it's mixed with other drugs and and counterfeit pills that are available uh, on the black market, dark web, all these things. And, well, it used to only be yeah. used as an anesthetic. Right. You know, uh, anesthesiologists right. were the only. And that now, would have access right, even to right, that, right? Right. But now, you know, that's the problem. Yeah. It's being mixed with these other substances. So powerful. And I mean, and I think, you know, the common ones that you hear of now is, you know, Prince died uh, from fentanyl. Wow. Right, uh, the the singer, and then yeah. then of course the, Rain. yeah, and you know of uh, Michael Jackson's experience where he was so heavily addicted for so many years, right, and then he had a personal doctor at a certain point that was you know Supply administering yeah. these these very powerful you know uh, you know opiates to to him wow. at his request, and um, and we end up losing one of the great. Um, you know, entertainers, singers, pop stars you know, that, that this, the world has known, speaking of Michael Jackson, right. this is like in my, in, personally in my opinion. But th this campaign, I think, is powerful because of the educational component and helping the public understand that we are dealing with a public health crisis. And 80% of the people that end up on heroin are introduced to opiates or become addicted to an opiate or opioid through a prescribed medication. And so, you know, as you, you talked about, Tom, Tom the, the, the importance to, to understand is that, you know, many of us are exposed to that on the, at some point in our lives. You know, you think of all the, 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 the moms out there 
that their first ex exposure to an opiate might have been post-childbirth, right? Right. And if you have a predisposition genetically to addiction, then you know the effect that that has it could trigger your addiction. And we we know now so much more than we've known in in years past about how quickly you can become addicted. That if you're on a pain medication for three, five, seven days, your 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 chance of becoming addicted wow. and physically dependent rises dramatically from from day to day, as opposed to when you know I was coming through. There there it was not uncommon for you to be prescribed a hundred pills at a time. Right. Right. And right. now we know from from a prescribing protocol that that is extremely irresponsible and that the, the opiate prescribing protocols need to be adjusted so that really an opiate is prescribed for you know, acute pain, for mild to moderate pain. And, and in, in our society today, we think, oh man, I got a headache, I need, um, I, I need an opiate. No, you don't. No. You really don't. You, know, you, might, right. need, you might need a drink of water. Yeah. yeah. Right? right? You're probably dehydrated. Right. But we're, we live in this right. instant gratification yeah. society now, or, you know, we, we, we're accustomed to, I should be able to be relieved of any discomfort immediately. Yeah, and if you take that NSAID or if you take that, yeah. uh, you know, Tylenol, yeah. acetaminophen, then you're actually going to increase the headache because you're drying yourself out anymore. Yeah. It's amazing what a couple good glasses of water will do to a yeah. headache. <laughs> and it's, I think, important for us to understand that, that opiates aren't necessarily the answer, yeah. right? And, and we're not here to get into a big pharma discussion or any, sure. any of those. It's like, it's just having, you know, being able to make uh, an educated decision for my own personal yeah. health. Right. I mean, we're much more conscious of that today, right? You know, what I'm going to put into my body, what I'm going to eat, and how, what those effects are. You know, and, Emma, I, I, my son, yeah. we got a call from the high school, um, and they said, we're really worried about your son. Is, is he using, I mean, he was having sort of a, a trip, something yeah. going on in the middle of class, and we, we, we brought him home, and he had just had his wisdom teeth out yeah. and was prescribed some Percocet. Right. And, and he was like really just freaking out. We, we got him home, I go out on the web and I'm starting res researching what Percocet is. Mm -hmm. And you know, he, he, he had a bottle, not very many, but he had, two, like you said, two, three days. And, and he was calling my wife saying, I need another one, I need one. And they're like, whoa, what is going on? So I, I'm a little bit aggressive. I marched yeah. right down to, his, it was his dentist. Yeah. And I said, do you realize what you just gave my son? He said, I said, the web's telling me Percocet is Oxycontin with like an acetaminophen covering yeah. that like makes it time delay. I said, it's the same class of drug as, as oxycodone. Do you know what he said to me? He said, I, said, I wouldn't do that. I said, walk with me. We walked to his front desk, pulled up Google, and I yeah. showed him the very article. He wasn't aware of that. Yeah. You know, now I bet he is now. Yeah. But, but this is something where education yeah. is pretty critical. Yeah. And, and and you're telling me if he'd have kept going even a few more days, that might have been a gateway into, yeah. you know, that that scared me to death. Yeah. And I think we're 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 more conscious of that today, but still, again, going back to your experience with the, this, uh, you know, DMD. I'm assuming, you know, the the dentist. You know, if you go to medical school, very, you know, little is spent in a, a pharmacology 
you know, discussion or education. Um, and, and so, you know, as, as doctors, you know, trying to be more efficient. I'm not yeah. here to speak you know, on sure. behalf of doctors. Or, you or tapped that, a nerve that, with that me on that one. But, but that still, right, there's, there's more education that we can do. And unfortunately, that means that there's legislation that has to be passed and, and you know, certain requirements, which for the doctor, it seems like, man, now you're making my job harder. I got to go through all these protocols and different things. And I got to go, now I got to look up on Doppel and see if this, this person has got more prescription, you know, and, and, and for the doctor, it, it, it feels that that's, you know, you're, One more you're making my, my life inefficient here and my ability to see patients. And, and so I, it's a process that yeah. we're working on. But the, you know, the big part is, is for us to understand for us as individuals that I have some power. And my power is to become educated. And when I go see the doctor and the doctor prescribes me something, I don't just say, okay, great. I say, hey, do I really need that? That took right. me five minutes on Google. Yeah. You do know? I really need an oxycodone, a very powerful opiate, which is, you know, you know lends itself as, to prone to, to, to addiction and, and abuse? Do I need that in my home? Do I need 30 of them in my home? Do I want those in my medical cabinet? Right. So my kids or their my kids' friends can. Yeah. Have, yeah. Yeah. So I think you know part of the the Utah State Health Department's campaign with the epidemic is to understand that you know we need to learn more. We need to be empowered with information and education. And so you know I've been fortunate they've invited me to to participate in that and share my story because again you know this number which which is is, is to a degree, a, a little bit mind-boggling, understanding that 80% of people that end up on heroin started with pain medication, wow, right. Yeah. right? And so, you know, the path to that is the pain medication gets harder and harder to get, because, but, but now I'm already addicted, so what are my options? My options are to, you can buy pills off the street, very expensive, or you know that you know you'll you'll find out the information is like, hey, you could buy heroin. It's way cheaper, right? And you and, and more powerful depending on on what you're getting. The truth is, you never know what you're getting on the street, and and it's it's, it's like and, and having been through that, you know myself. Um, yeah, one of the more dangerous things you will ever do is to put your trust in, in, in you know in a drug dealer that's selling you drugs. I mean, there there is no honor among thieves. And, and you, know, you never know what you're gonna get. But that path is, is very clear. I see it you know, regularly with a person that is going down that opiate addiction path, which starts with pain medication and ends up with heroin. Yeah. Well, a physician has been taught in medical school that one of their jobs is to manage pain. Right. And so for a long period of time, their concentration was you know, they, he just had surgery, yeah. I've just pulled out his teeth, I've just done this, so I need to manage that right. pain. And that's an oath, that's not just, right, right. that's an oath right. yeah. that you take. Yeah. It's Above not, all, do no right. harm. Yeah. But the bottom line is, is often you're not thinking, you know, I'm just managing this pain for yeah. a short period of time. Um, Pretty soon it starts managing you. Yeah. Right. If you take and a little, then, yeah. then you run into deep problems. An another issue is, the the drug itself i i remember when i was in high school lemma and, and we were we were all moved into the gym and they showed this 
film that was done in the 40s or 50s about marijuana. Reefer madness. Reefer yeah. madness. <laughs> yeah. That's what they showed yeah. us. And, you know, I remember sitting there and thinking, this has absolutely <laughs> nothing to do with me. Look at those guys. Yeah. They're a bunch of, uh, you know, punks or yeah. they're just a bunch of people. And I don't relate to people like this. I don't hang out to people. So I thought this has absolutely nothing to do with me in my life. I think that has really changed. Yeah. I think people are, are realizing, especially with media and with the cell phones we have and the electronics, this is affecting everybody yeah. across the entire spectrum of socioeconomic. Everyone yeah. is involved in this. It's, uh, you know, the uh, going back to the... the, the the phrase that you were here all the time, which is that addiction is no respecter of persons, right? It it it's, it doesn't discriminate, and and the you know the way that that I describe it sometimes is is it doesn't go around with a you know a checklist and say oh you pay your tithing okay we're not going to bother you oh you know you're married in the temple we're not going to bother you oh you have 4.0 student we're not it, it doesn't that that's yeah. not there's no qualifications like you know that make you exempt from this disease. Right. If you're exposed to it, then then you are as likely as anyone else to be able to contract the disease of addiction and have it affect your brain and your thinking right. process. And and so it's important. I, again, I think as as you mentioned, to understand that um, you know it doesn't matter what you look like, what your social economic background is, your race, religion, you know any of these things. They're 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 not taken into consideration right. and so uh, when when people see me oftentimes they're like and 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 i'd say oh yeah you know i'm a uh, person long-term recovery a recovering addict they're like no not you right because I, I don't look like that right because the expectation is that okay somebody that is addicted they they look like the the person that i see on the street corner you know, let's say a, a quote-unquote wino, you know, for, for to right. use that, that type of term. Right, sleeping bag. Yeah, you know, Having homeless and, 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 you know, yeah. urinating on themselves and all these yeah. things that we, we would associate. That's not r r the full picture right. of what we're dealing with. Yes, that, that there's probably some addiction and some mental health issues in, involved there, but the addict is, you know, the, the housewife, with you know two kids that that maybe was introduced through childbirth to to addict you know addictive pain medication became hooked and now you know can't stop using right. right another difficulty that i'm seeing from my friends and colleagues is these folks then end up in an emergency department and you don't know how to treat them because you don't know what's in them yeah and you know, sometimes yeah. you interact with the person in the emergency department and you find out, well, I've had four shots of whiskey. I, last night I drank half, half a pint of, of vodka. I've also shot up with heroin mm -hmm. and I don't have a clue what was in that because I got it from a yeah. new dealer. And so you're doing a toxicology screen on this individual and you find that what you're really dealing with is uh, some anesthetic and that's what's creating the major problem and if you just treat him for this you're making it worse so you know 
Uh, what I'm trying to say is many of these individuals use many different yeah. types of medication. Yeah. And when that presents itself, it can become a very difficult yeah. situation. And, and a very toxic cocktail. Right. You know, we're yeah, talking literally. about just brain chemicals or chemicals being released. Um, you know, because many of these drugs, what they do is they increase uh, release of, of dopamine or they block the uptake in the brain of excess, right. you know, dopamine. And so then you have an overload of these chemicals in the brain. And, and so then you have this, this toxic mixture of these drugs that are being used right. that, um, you know, one of, one of the big ones, you know, that we deal with, and I was with Brian Besser of the DEA yesterday, and, and one of the concerns, you know, is increasingly now benzodiazepines, right. which is the Xanax and Valium, Valium. And, and right, and right. very dangerous drugs. But, but yeah, and, yeah, and very commonly prescribed, right, for anxiety. Correct. Right? So we're looking at, at from a pharma, pharmacological standpoint, whether it's that or, you know, the, the, the methamphetamines or amphetamines like, like a Adderall, uh, that are commonly prescribed for for attention deficit disorder, right? Um, the the Adderall and methamphetamine on the street are are almost identical when you look at the the chemical structure of those drugs, and so I think we have to be more aware yeah. of and educated when it comes to like what am I exposing myself to, and are there are there alternatives and options to an opioid, yeah. to an Adderall, right. to a Xanax? Well, right? people don't realize that Adderall is just a pharmaceutical-grade cocaine. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just a pharmaceutical-grade process, yeah. and I think most people don't have a clue, and they're giving that to young kids, or they're giving that, yeah. and, and then you wonder yeah. why they become involved. And please, yes, some people do better yeah. on Adderall, but all of that needs to be understood. Mm -hmm. yeah, and addicts homework. are horrible historians. <laughs> if you start asking them, what have you taken or what's going on? They will, you know, they always minimize. You yes. know, but, well, it's not that much. But they've also forgotten because the addiction, they don't see the correlation. Yeah. They and don't see everything you just took 24 hours ago yeah. is now mixing very poorly with what you just took two hours ago yeah. and that's what's brought you yeah. to the emergency. Well, and I think you make a great point, Tom, in, in understanding that, that you know, from, um, you know, as I look at the disease and I work with addicts and alcoholics in, at Renaissance Ranch and, and my personal experience is denial, um, minimization are, are you know, in big components in the disease of addiction. And so, you know, the, the disease, if you will, if you look at it as this, this, this entity is trying to survive, and by surviving, part of what its job to do is to minimize, like, oh, it's not that bad, right? Or, you know, to justify, oh, I need this because the doctor said, and I have this, yeah, I have this, this disorder, and I need these medications. Um, and so it's, it's constantly trying to survive, speaking of the disease, and justify and yeah. minimize and deny, right? These are all you know, ego defense mechanisms, right. if you will, that, that are, are trying to support the survival of this behavior. And so, you know, for, for us, it's still, you know, the understanding of whether or not there are options, and there are. 
you know, and, and at Renaissance Ranch, we, we present these options and in a holistic approach because they're cognitive in nature, but they're also spiritual in nature, right? And they're different ways. And, and I think for people out there that might be, you know, investigating options, um, you know, similar to if I were to, you know, be diagnosed with cancer, would I, you know, if somebody said, well, here are your options, and, and one of them was spiritual, and, and I said, oh, I'm not doing that. If I had cancer, I'd be desperate. I'd like, whatever you got, let me try it. Yeah. Right? And, and hopefully what we... Well, you said in an earlier episode yeah. that it was the spiritual component that finally moved yeah. you over the line for the lasting healing. Is that right? Yeah. And, and it, when, as I combine those two, the cognitive therapeutic approaches and the other modalities, you know, psychologically that are available, you know, to me, even for me to, to be able to sustain or execute those, those different, let's say, you know, exercises that are mm -hmm. necessary for me to be able to uh, work myself through and out of my addictive, you know, right. uh, you know, the craziness of my brain, I can't do that on my own. I mean, personally, I need God's help. I need a power greater than myself to give me the, the necessary strength to overcome. Well, and you, and you talked about, you know, power with God, but also power with community and with yeah. giving back. I mean, I, you know, I, I, know, I know that a lot of the folks that get involved, my, my dear friend, uh, I just was at a graveside funeral yeah. just about a month ago, and I've known him since he was 16. We were the same age, early yeah. 50s, and he'd been using for, he had not gone four days in 15 years without yeah. something. And we started working with him purely from a spiritual perspective. And, you know, he went as long as seven and a half years without challenges. But I used to go with him to Narcotics Anonymous, which yeah. NA, and he needed a sponsor. Yeah. And during that time, um, just personally, I just made mental note. And then I, I made a little journal to, my, to myself just saying, okay, what kind of people am I meeting here? And we met 40 people over the course of well over a year. And only one of them was addicted to illegal drugs. My friend, yeah. you know, meth, cocaine, heroin, and um, but 39 of them, it was about uh, prescription drugs. Yeah. And I got to know them pretty well. And over half of the 39, they were working in the medical community, so they could be somewhat close. Mm -hmm. Almost every one of them you had mentioned changed some prescriptions yeah. and got in trouble that way. And um, you know, it, it's amazing to me the, the, the gateway process. And so I'm going to ask a pretty hard question. Yeah. You know, we, we just, uh, as a state, just approved medical marijuana through yeah. the voting process. What were you thinking during that time? What, you know, when you, when you were thinking, wow, you know, I've, I understand some of this. That, mm -hmm. that we're, is, this, is this all good? Is it all bad? Is there, what was going through your process as the yeah. state of Utah was voting on that big There's question. a couple of things that, that come to mind, and I, you know, I'm, I'm not shy about sharing. Yeah. And, and that is, number one, that, that the, the information that we have about the, you know, the, the benefits and the, the side effects of marijuana are not well documented or, um, or disseminated. Um, I was recently down at a, a conference in St. George, one of the largest uh, substance abuse conferences that takes place in, in our country, and the information coming out now about the side effects 
from marijuana um, are, are very underreported because the, the lobby on behalf of the legalization is, is so powerful. Yes. Um, and so I think, again, it's coming back to the importance of, of so we information. Don't know yet. Yeah, there, there's, there's no doubt that opiates have a medical benefit, yes. right? And, and so do all of the other medications that we're talking about. And if we legalize marijuana for medic, medical use, then yes, it has a medical benefit, but it also has negative side effects. Again, the question is, are there options? Second to that, right, uh, aside from, you know, whether it's being legalized, if it, even if it's legalized for recreational use, which it is in some states, right, then that, that doesn't make it any different than alcohol. We don't look at alcohol or cigarettes and say, oh, those things aren't harm, harmful. Just because right? they're legal. Just because they're legal, right? And, it's, and so I deal with, you know, clients that, well, if, if marijuana becomes legalized, then can I smoke marijuana? It's like, you know, no. I mean, like, sure you can. I mean, I'm not here to tell anybody what you can or cannot do. But as an addict and an alcoholic, that doesn't mean that all of a sudden because the government decided or the people decided, like, this is a legal substance, that now it's okay for, like, I can use it without any harm for me, right? Right. Yeah. You know, so right. it's important to understand that just because alcohol is legal, right, it's a big moneymaker for, for our government because it's taxed just like tobacco is taxed. Right. Right, and the legalization of marijuana is going to have a, a heavy tax on it right. that will benefit the yeah. government financially. Yeah. But the question for me is, like, how much of that money is price. going to be right. be taken uh, out to to treat those who who suffer the the ill effects of the marijuana or become addicted or a gateway, you know, for from marijuana into other drugs. Right. And so, still, it becomes an education. You know, for each of us individually, or in our homes and our families, let's make let's make informed, educated, wise decisions. And and again, that that's just a component of it because, outside of that education and prevention, regardless of all the efforts that we put there, there's still going to be a a percentage of the population that will end up with the disease of addiction. Right. So let's make sure that we have. Um, that we have resources to treat the disease. Yeah. Yeah. In my 41 years of practice, three things come up and listen to what you just said. The first one is all pharmaceuticals and all drugs affect everyone uniquely. Mm -hmm. And you don't know how that drug is going to affect you. And, you know, we put out there from the pharmaceutical industry that, you know, if you take Prozac, this is going to be yeah. a benefit. I have never seen a person take Prozac that had the same effect as this person yeah. and this person. Everybody has to know what that pharmaceutical is going to do for you. Yeah. Marijuana, again, we don't have that data. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, I personally, in my 41 years of practice, saw that it affected motivation in mm -hmm. a lot of people. It affected personality in a lot of people. It certainly affected sexual functioning in a lot of people. And every individual who takes a drug, and again, do you know the source? Yeah. Because marijuana just ain't marijuana. Yeah. There's this kind of marijuana and this kind of marijuana and this mm -hmm. kind, yeah. and they have different strengths. And again, you don't know how it's gonna affect you. Yeah. And I've seen some people that they can become like the Energizer Bunny and work really hard with it,
but it affects their spirituality. Mm -hmm. It affects their connection with God. It affects, You've mentioned that multiple times. Yeah. It affects their relationship with their wife and their spouse. It starts to affect the way they function at work. Yeah. So I think everyone needs to look at this and say, I'm just not going to go out and get CBD oil. Yeah. You know, even though it doesn't have you know, all these same chemical structures of you know, the THC that marijuana does, but it's going to affect everyone uniquely, mm -hmm. and you better figure out how it's going to affect you if you're planning on using it. Yeah. Because Jenny over here might have this response, but Phyllis is going to have a very different experience on that same amount of drug, mm -hmm. or those brownies, or yeah. that CBD oil. It is a chemical compound that affects the body, and some people get profoundly addicted or dependent, they say. Yeah. Uh, but what's that dependent gonna, dependency yeah. going to look like for you? So I, all I say is caution, caution, caution. Yeah. Be careful. Yeah, and just because it's legal doesn't mean it's safe. Wow. Right? Well, well, arsenic right. is legal, yeah. but I wouldn't recommend anyone taking it. <laughs> yeah. And but, it's natural. Yeah. Alema, yeah. <laughs> we've just got a couple minutes yeah. left. You've done an amazing thing the last few years. You've gone back to school, mm -hmm. and you're now giving back in a major, not just with your influence in, in sports and yeah. in the sports world, but tell us about that journey that you've just been on. It's, it, it's pretty amazing. It's really, it has been amazing. I've been so fortunate to, to be able to go back and, and um, and you know I I was work I've been working in the broadcast industry for um, going on 25 years now, and since you know my time at BYU and then in '92 I got sober and then was working in the the broadcast business and in 2002 I had a relapse and then I got sober again and that continued to work uh, in the in that field. But at a certain point I made a decision like you know to to um, continue. Um, you know, learning more about it. I, there, there was a time, and I'll admit my arrogance, where, where I really felt like my practical experience is what, you know, makes me, you know, the expert in being able to share my experience with others. And, and, and I think maybe to a degree, I, I minimized the importance of the, the psychological and, um, and the, the medical information that we have related to the disease of addiction. Um, I had written some memoirs and some, some thoughts and, and, had, and uh, had the, you know, the intent to publish some of these, these you know, um, writings that I had done. And I wanted to, to put something be, besides recovering addict on, you know, in my mind I thought if I throw some letters behind that, that some credentials, Maybe it's it's got a little more impact, and so I, I went back to university or Utah Valley University, uh, applied for their substance use disorder program, and and was admitted, and um, already had a bachelor's degree from BYU in sociology, um, but so I went back and and I was so grateful. How long did that take? You? It took me two years two total years. to okay. to to get my degree, my my lights or substance use disorder counseling after degree. After your bachelor's, right after my yeah. bachelor's. Mm -hmm. And um, so grateful that I did that because the information that I gained, aside from, from you know, there's plenty of ed education that involves the, the group 
uh, counseling and, and those different models and the importance of, of how those groups work. Um, but the information I got from a pharmacological standpoint and then from a medical standpoint, understanding the brain disorder that we are dealing with. And, and we're so fortunate now that we can you know, pull up brain scans and we can see activity in the brain and we can see the difference between the addicted brain and the, or the, the brain that is on drugs. And it's not, it's not the old you know, scene that you, that you, you, you witness in, in a commercial that says, this is your brain, this is your brain on drugs and it's like frying, yeah, frying a frying eggs. pan. The truth <laughs> is your, your brain lights up in, when it's on, on drugs because the dopamine and chemicals are just exploding yeah. in there. Yeah. And so we have a better understanding yeah. of... And the, and the high might right. last 20 minutes, but the damage yeah. to the brain's going yeah. up for 48 more right. hours. And then the, yeah. the inability for us to continue to right. produce naturally those chemicals has just a dire effect on our mental health and well-being. So it's like all of those things were so beneficial for yeah. me to be able to carry the message from a practical experience standpoint, but also have the background and education associated with my counseling degree, which gave me an understanding of what's going on in the brain, the prefrontal cortex versus the amygdala or the midbrain, and how you know this disease robs us of our agency because of the, the power of that midbrain that is not sending suggestions, right? It's sending commands and the command and I could relate to this. The command was, we need more alcohol or we're going to die, right? You know, you talk to the alcoholic, and, and, and for, for me, I, I'm I didn't, not sure that I understood. Why do I drink till I throw up? Like, why do I do that, right? And when my intent was, like, I'm just going to have a few drinks and enjoy myself, but I don't do that. I don't stop there. And it, the reason why is because in the addicted brain, the amygdala or the midbrain is sending a message as a chemical reaction to the ingesting of the, the alcohol, that there's this, this, this allergic reaction, as Dr. Silkworth in the big book uh, back in the mm -hmm. 30s described it, which is the phenomenon of craving, which sends this message from my midbrain in charge of my survival that says, we need more alcohol or we're going to die. Wow. Right? So the normal person drinks and gets a little tipsy and they feel good and then they're like, then they stop. Right? But the alcoholic is very different in the way that their brain operates. And similarly with, with the pills and, and other drugs, I will continue to use even though I've had more than sufficient to you know, accomplish what, what I was trying to accomplish, which is some relief of pain. Mm -hmm. you know? So it's, it was helping me understand that that behavior, which seems crazy, for the alcoholic is a very normal response from the alcoholic brain. Right. Yeah. yeah, and the brain lies to us constantly. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I know people who keep eating until yeah. they vomit. Right. You know, and so it's it's you know, for for me, it has been an understanding of that part of the disease, and then being able to work from a cognitive standpoint and from a spiritual component standpoint, and and get out of my midbrain or my amygdala, and raise my thoughts to my prefrontal cortex, which is where my values are, mm. right? And my ability to right. assess things and, and to, to connect with divine, those all reside in my prefrontal cortex. And if I can have cognitive you know, exercises mm. to help me get out of my midbrain and into my prefrontal cortex, that's beneficial. Wow. And then that, that helps me connect with divine, which is where my real power exists, is, is there. But right. if I'm in my midbrain, 
I'm I'm in trouble because that that's not right. that's my natural man, if you will, yeah. is, is here, right? Not, and not a lot of logic takes yeah. over there. Yeah. Well, Emma, we really appreciate your coming and and chatting with us. It's been just a pleasure. Oh, thank you. And we're really looking forward to you at the conference yeah. and what you have to offer. I'm excited. I'm excited about the conferences because of the the, the variety of of you know different views that we'll hear. And uh, you know, I'm a big fan of a lot of the presenters and, and looking forward to having the opportunity to be with those uh, presenters and, and present on behalf of Renaissance Ranch and some of the work that we do there. So I encourage you to please join us. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a good time at the Little America. And, and I love when we have the energy of you know people that are looking for solutions right. yes and it's it's powerful yeah. it's a powerful thing we're creating a team we're cre creating a community and we're so glad to have you part yeah. of that community lemma thanks thank so you much. thank you lemma harrington from renaissance ranch and works with the jazz y'all know him he he's been so kind to share several episodes his story you know his, his own recovery and going back to school and now he's given back to all of us, thanks so much, Alema. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Join us March 29th and 30th, Little America Hotel. Go to eternalcore.org. Grab some seats. They're going pretty quick. Yep.